This episode is dedicated to the memory of Yoshef Shural. May he rest in peace. Turka for match day 30 in the Turkish Super League. I am Kam Bazid and I'm joined once again by Uzar Dinjar and Burak Sezgin live from uh, London, Burak. But uh, Uzar, where are you about nowadays? Uh, I'm still in Dublin. I should be here for another three weeks and then returning to London for a short while. Okay, okay. I, I knew you were going back for a bit, but yeah. I didn't know if you were back. And uh, also. Memory, good memory. Yeah, and also joining us, uh, just slightly, also joining us, Umut Naderi, of course. Uh, he'll be joining us as well for the Galtzrai match uh, later on, and, and maybe he'll chime in here and there. So, uh, Umut, thanks for joining us once again, too. And uh, Burak, thank you, of course. Um, but before we start getting into football, before we uh, start uh, talking about uh, trivial things, really, uh, we want to take a moment uh, to pay our respects to... Uh, well, the, the the family and loved ones of Alanya Spor's uh, midfielder Joseph Sural, who tragically passed away this morning at uh, seven thirty a.m. in the morning, uh, following a bus crash from the Alanya Spor players. They they had apparently chartered a minibus, seven players of Alanya Spor, which included Papi Sisse, Joseph Sural, Wellington, Bayano. I think. Uh, Stephen Coker. Stephen Coker, yeah, indeed. Defender. Yeah. And uh, Jalma Campos. And Jalma Campos. I think those are the seven ones. But apparently, at three in the morning, the bus driver fell asleep about three miles out from Alanya. Uh, they were traveling back from the Kaiseri game. And uh, unfortunately, uh, that resulted in uh, the death of uh, Joseph Sural, who was hurled from the vehicle. Um, and uh, apparently hit his head pretty badly, was also uh, suffering from hypothermia. Uh, once he had been gotten to the hospital, um, he was operated on, I believe, at 5 in the morning, but um, before a second operation could take place, he uh, unfortunately passed away, and he leaves behind a wife and two daughters, one of which is... But both of his daughters are still very young, and one of which was just born in February. He had only joined uh, Alanya Spor in January from Sparta Prague. He had featured 20 times for the Czech Republic's national team. Um, it, it's just tragic, guys, and uh, this isn't the first time, unfortunately, a bus crash happens uh, this season. Uh, just a, a month ago, a little over a month ago, of course, uh, two Ankara Guju supporters died in a tragic bus crash coming back from uh, the away game in Antalya and uh, yeah sad things well it's, it's very sad that we have to start the second a second episode with uh, with words of condolence for, for such similar circumstances um, and our thoughts go out to the, the friends and family and loved ones who will be left behind we, we, we hope that the uh, Alanya Sport Club and, and members of the Turkish football community can can do something to uh, to, to help out the family going forward because as as Khan mentioned that these guys moved their lives out to Alanya just 
three months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, never expected things to turn out this way. So it would be good to show our solidarity from the Turkish football community if we can, if they can uh, try and support the family going forward. At the very least, for sure. And we saw, of course, Ankara Gücü and Bursa uh, for their match. They uh, all the proceeds of that match, where twenty thousand fans attended, went to the families of those two Ankara Gücü supporters that passed away. Um, I'm not sure what can really be done here. Um, there's plenty of information out there if you're interested in learning more about what exactly happened. You can uh, you can find it for sure. You can tweet us and we can give you inf- more information if you want. But uh, uh, let's transition into something uh, a little bit less uh, serious. Uh, football, of course, is a difficult transition to make since this is, of course, uh, yeah, ter- terrible news. But part of life unfortunately that uh, these sorts of things happen but uh, let's move over to match day 30 of the Turkish Super League on Friday we had already a big match big surprise Başakşehir played at home against Göztepe and guys I, I think I said last week I don't think Gustepe have a chance because they've been so poor going forward. Uh, they've just they've been the worst team in the second half of the season statistically and also just the football they've been able to put on the mat. I think I literally said that last week. Um, and wouldn't you know it, they proved me wrong. I'm I'm a super jinx, it seems, because every time I make a bold claim. The opposite happens, so maybe I should start saying um, Besiktas can never win the title this season, because well, I think I've been saying it all along. So, hmm. but mm-hmm. uh, no, but Besiktas here losing at home nil to two to relegation candidate Gustepe. Goals coming here from Cameron Jerome in the seventh minute, Burak Sezgin's personal favorite player, of course, and Denis Kada in the eighty-fifth minute. But should also be pointed out, Bishakir scored twice in that first half. Both of those goals were ruled offside. I think the first one by Elgero Ilya was pretty clear. But that second one by Edin Vizca, that was super tight. It was offside, correct call, but oh my god, was that tight. Burak, I'm going to throw to you first. What were your thoughts on this match? Did you, were you surprised by the result? And what did you think of those offside goals and, and ultimately the result? Well, for weeks and weeks, I've been telling you, gentlemen, about the Cameron Jerome effect. And I, I think he's been listening to this podcast and he wants to prove a point to me. Um, <laughs> I can say that's that's his fourth goal. I think it's his first goal since December. So it's a pretty poor return for a striker. But if you look at the form Gustave have been in, you can understand why he's not been, been scoring much. But... Shock result for me. I wasn't. I was expecting Bosch here to bounce back after their their loss last week. Um, playing at home as well, but you can't really give call this a um, a home advantage. I don't think because there is no there are no fans to there and cheer and you know hope cheer on. And sorry, it was actually they drew last week and they lost before that. So, but excuse the error. I was expecting a response back from a defeat and a draw to say okay, it's Gustave. Um, they've been on a horrible run of form. They've only won. I mean, they've lost their last four on a bounce. But ultimately, Gustav somehow showed up. 
Um, horrible defending by Sadat Tashtia for the second goal by um, by Gerstepe. Um, Dennis Kada, I think, just took stole the ball off him, just hassled him and ran. It was funny seeing Emre Belazola try to run after him, and I think he I think he toyed with the idea of bringing him down, but they thought, um, I'm 38 now, man. I'm I'm just I'm just tired, just going to score. And I think offside was correct for both goals. The first one by Elia, very clear offside. And like you said, Khan, it was a tight call for Edin Vistra's offside. But I think it was offside. My hope now is that either Galatasaray or Besiktas win the league so that we can try and pinch Edin Vizca to come to Fenerbahce. Yeah, that was definitely a huge blunder from Serdar Tashi. And I think he made a similar mistake a couple of minutes before that where Gustepe almost... Uh, went on a dangerous counter, but it, it, it ended up uh, being recovered by Bashakir's defense. But Uzer, the result that you were definitely hoping and dreaming for, I think we said it last week too, it's going to yeah. come down to them. For Well, I think we said it in, in, in terms to Besiktas more than Galtrai, but it's going to come down to them really making a, an unexpected slip-up. And this was, by all right. intents and purposes, an unexpected slip-up. Maybe the right, most right. unexpected one of all. Well, absolutely. And I, and I think um, what you said before about not expecting Bajakshir to lose at home was something that we shared, we, all, all three of us shared mm-hmm. uh, in the last podcast. So you're not alone in that in that opinion. And I think we're all really genuinely shocked by the result here. In fact, um, the, whole, the, whole, the whole notion of Bajakshir only picking up one point in three games is still very much uh, something that I'm not quite over. I, I can't believe they've been able to to, to fall off the cliff like this in, in the last three weeks. But but with this game specifically, I actually thought, especially after we discussed the, this game in detail in the last podcast, I thought, you know what, I'm not even going to waste my time with this guy, with this match. I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen here. I'm pretty sure all Turkish football fans are aware how this game is, is going to go, so I'm not going to waste my time watching it. And after, I think it was seven minutes, Karen, Cameron Jerome put Ghost of her 1-0 up, I thought, huh, well, mm-hmm. that's interesting. It kind of had a little wry smile on my face. I said, I thought to myself, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how long they can keep this up. Yeah. And then kind of feeling through Twitter, watching uh, people's reactions when Bajakshir scored, and then suddenly it was disallowed, mm-hmm. and then scored again, and then it was disallowed again. But hold on a sec, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it's worth tuning into this. I think it was around the seventieth minute that I actually turned the game on, and it was still one 0 at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, sure enough, Dennis Pada pinched the ball at, on his own in his own half ran all the way and I was must have been at this point screaming, pleading at the television, saying, Come on, come on, score this goal, score this goal, make make everybody's dreams come true. And sure enough, Dennis put the goal in the back of the net and everyone was just elated. I I, I uh I was really over the moon by this result and totally, totally unexpected. And, Bravo uh, Gustafa. They're back in they're back in uh, they're back in contention to stay up. For sure, and uh, it could have been even worse for Bashak here because Mert was forced to make at least one really big save at the end, uh, maybe even two. From the top of my head, I remember one, but I think there might have been another one. Uh, and then there was also this very dubious position where there was a last man challenge on, I want to say, Denis Kada, which could have been a red card, I think. Um, I don't know if it was if I don't if it was inside the box. Obviously, it's not going to be red. It's going to be a penalty, but uh, and a yellow. But I think it was outside the box. Perhaps uh, referee judged it that it was a play on the ball. But still, it, it seemed like a reckless challenge. But I, I I very much share your experience in this match where I I had zero belief that 
Gustepe were going to be able to pull off a result, but then Cameron Jerome puts them ahead, and I, I was still kind of in the mindset of, ah, if that won't last, and uh, wouldn't you know it, Elia scores pretty quickly, but disallowed, and then you're like, oh, okay, you know what, but the pressure keeps coming, and then that goal comes in the 45th minute, and you're like, ah, that's the perfect timing for that goal. And they're going to go up and over them in the second half. But um, no, disallowed again. And I think that kind of took the wind out of Bashakshir's sails. Because they were definitely the better side in the first half. We didn't really see much of Gustepe in the first half. But in the second half, we saw quite a bit more of Gustepe. And uh, less and less of Bashakshir. We did not see the, the reaction we'd expect from a would-be champion, I would say. Um, Umut, I'm going to throw to you briefly as well. What did you think about uh, Bashakshir's second half response? Well, I think Tamartino analyzed Bashakshir's plans uh, really good because what he had in mind and planned uh, worked perfectly. And when he found chances, he made them work, actually. And that's how he scored the, uh, his goals, by uh, the opponent's mistakes. Yeah. That's true. They uh, definitely capitalized on uh, their, the mistakes, especially in that second goal. Do you guys think that Yasin Ustikin being absent had a positive effect on Gustepe? Oh, definitely. I think he's um, a bad egg. Um, I, you know, you've heard, I've made my views on this guy clear um, <laughs> in the past. Um, maybe, maybe Azad feels the same way. Um, I do. I know I he's, do. So I, I think it's maybe not helped galvanize the team, but it's maybe giving them something less to to worry about. But but also, we, I think we just need to mention the the defense here or Bashakshi here because up until three weeks ago, they'd only let in thirteen goals mm-hmm. all season, Something and like the last yeah last last um the last three games they've let in five. So and you know their their season's been built on on this good defense and. Yeah. We see all these stats about Matt being a good shot stopper and a good goalkeeper, but is defence slowly starting to be, be found out, or are they just starting to well, panic or I something? I think they're missing a couple of players. Epriano uh, is still not there, I believe, and uh, I think um, who else? Atama wasn't there to, today uh, on that match. Anyway, they're missing quite, they're missing a few players at the back for sure. I think that that's playing a role. Um, but yeah, it's a good point that you make. They're probably are they feeling the jitters a little bit. I mean, uh, last week there was a little bit of talk of are they fumbling a little? And I think two weeks ago when they lost against Besiktas, I said no, that that's that's a no- that can happen. But then last week against Riza, they dropped two points, and then today uh, this week they dropped three points against Gustepe of all teams. I mean, Riza, okay, Riza are in form, but this Gustepe really aren't arguably the weakest team in the league right now, next to Akisar, um, and uh, to suffer a home defeat against them. I, I, they can still rectify things. I mean, it's still all in their own hands. They just have to win everything. The next four games, if they win everything, they're champions regardless. But they are putting a lot of pressure on them because it's not too long ago. Like three or four weeks ago, they were eight points and 11 points ahead uh, of uh, their two closest followers. And now that's only two and three anymore. Spoiler alert. But yeah, 
I think we've said enough about Bashakshi here for now. Let's uh, move on to uh, the Saturday results where we have Chaikurizaspor against Sivaspor, two teams in the belly of the mid-table, so to speak. Um, and this match ended in a 0-0 draw, and that's a team we would see come back in this match day where we see a lot of draws, a lot of 1-1s, a lot of nil nils. But this was a match in which uh, the, the scoreline doesn't necessarily reflect the match necessarily because Vedat Muric got off the scoring really early in the first minute. He scored a goal already, but that goal got disallowed because of a handball during the build-up. Um, then we also should point out Tolgahan had a solid match, made a couple of really impressive saves. And there were also two penalty shouts in the second half for Chaikarizaspor. One in which Umar Aminu, I think it was simulation, tried to goat the goalkeeper in following him. I didn't really see much contact there. And then he just went down, uh, dropped like a sack of potatoes and was hoping for a penalty. Didn't happen. Uh, and then a little bit later, Melniak seemed to get a little bit sandwiched in the box. Uh, that might have been a penalty. Uh, Uzzer, I'm going to throw to you first the handball in the build-up for the Vedat Muric goal. Correct decision, yes or no. Uh, what did you think of Tolga Han's match, and what did you think of the two penalty positions? Yeah, it was... It, well, Tolga Han, I thought, played played pretty well. Um, he's had an... He's had a, he's, his star's been rising, I think, in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Vedat, Vedat Muric, he, he's another one, actually, you can put in the same category. He's been one of the... Uh, the MVPs for his club uh, since the start of 2019, and we've spoken about him a lot in the last uh, couple of episodes. I think the uh, decision to disallow the goal was probably the right decision. It was uh, it was tight, but it probably probably was the right decision. Uh, and the penalty decisions as well. Um, I guess you, you've seen them given both ways. I think they're both up for debate, but on balance, it didn't change too much. I think overall, in terms of the gameplay, Riza probably deserved to win the match. And nil nil is probably uh, probably probably flatters Sivaspor a little bit. I'd agree with that. Burak, what do you think about the penalties? What do you think about the goal and uh, Tolgahan's game? Um, I thought the this goal was was definitely the correct call by by Vedat Morikic. Watching the incident, you can see he brings his arms together to to cushion the ball. So he's actually make it a conscious effort to actually control that ball with his hands or his arms. So I think that's the, that for me, that's the right call. Uh, the penalties, like you say, the, the Melniak penalty at the end, that was not given. Barshakshir had had a much softer penalty given last week. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a cause for cause for debate. So maybe, you know, the MHK, you know, that's the, the Referees Association in Turkey needs to get together in the summer and, I don't know, just be more more consistent with their calls. That's all we ask for is consistency. Um, I think Torkohan made some great great saves. It was him versus Melniak, uh, pretty much, for a number of moments in the game. But how Harkon stayed on the pitch when he didn't get the second yellow for the challenge on Vedat, Murkic, I, I don't know. Because we've seen uh, Saduk for Fenerbahce get a second yellow for a much softer challenge. And um, the game again. Um, Besiktas, where the Ankara player tried to cripple Burak and he only got a yellow mm-hmm. uh, as well. So that challenge was a yellow and I think the challenge that Hakan put in on Vedat Morkic was not as harsh but a similar, you know, reckless flying in. He should have been sent off. So I thought that was a, a disappointing decision from the uh, the referee. 
Yeah, it's also something we've seen in, in a couple of games this week where there were a couple, uh, quite a few reckless challenges. Uh, and also last week, of course, we had the, the, the Emre Agwaba flying karate kick. But we have a similar one later on that I want to point to as well. Uh, but all in all, nil-nil, Riza will probably be more disappointed with that result, as uh, I already alluded to as well. Personally, I think that for me, the Umar Aminu penalty position, I, think it was, I, I don't think it was a penalty. I think he was... Go, trying to go to goalkeeper and I think he simulated uh, the second one that, that to me that looked like a sandwich and uh, a sandwich is a penalty in my opinion but uh, unfortunately for Rizespor no call and uh, no VAR interjection or anything like that so it remained nil-nil and uh, that doesn't really change much for either side Rizespor are, are, are impressing in ways but in the other way they're not quite able to make that final push for that fifth place that could them give them a right to a European spot should Galatasaray win the Turkish Cup um, and we'll, we'll briefly cover the cup results uh, at the end as well because uh, that's something I forgot at the top of the show uh, Antalya Spore against Erzurum Spore is the next match and that's another one that ended in a draw this one ended 1-1 goals here came from Mevlut Erdinc who has been on fire recently he scored in the 12th minute putting Antalya Spore 1-0 up but Gilles Sunu scored from the penalty spot in the 54th minute uh, I want to talk about that penalty because I'm not 100% sure on that either way uh, Mevlut Erdinc has now scored 8 goals in 13 starts and 20 total matches for Antalya Sport, but 8 in 13 starts is not too bad of an average. And uh, his goal was initially disallowed for offside, but it clearly wasn't. And VAR uh, in intervened and made the referee go look and awarded the goal. Uh, actually, I'm not sure if the referee went to look. They might have just told him that it was onside. And then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have in my notes here. So, Uzra, I'm going to throw to you first. Mevut Erdinc, his star continues to rise. Uh, and uh, what do you think about the penalty? Was that a correct decision? Uh, yeah, if we, if we start off with Mevlut, if we remember in, uh, when he was playing in France, we could say he's regaining his PSG form. Uh, he signed from show for about 11 million euros, if I remember correctly. And he was uh, he was up there with one of the top, with the top scorers in the French league some some years ago before maybe making switch to uh, to Turkey, and he seems to be regaining that kind of free flowing, confident uh, style of play, which is which is something that really excited us when he really when he first hit the scene in in the French league many years ago. So yeah, eighteen thirteen, yeah, it's very impressive indeed, very impressive indeed. Uh, as for the penalty, it looked quite soft. I mean, uh, it's something I I, I want to see again, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I wasn't too sure about that, to be honest. Yeah, I'm sure Burak will have a, a very... Uh definitive opinion on it because he's he, he he's, he's very capable of uh, watching those positions properly uh, yeah Burak, I, I, I want to hear Burak's dissection of that because yeah me too as for your previous comment about the uh, about the offside I think it was yeah the correct call the, the referee sh the, the linesman should have spotted it in, initially to be honest but uh, but there you go Burak what do you think the offside uh, for the goal was clear I think that wasn't offside yeah. so it was the right decision but what do you think about the penalty was that what it was it the penalty just before I get into this, I just want to say it was a great assist by Nazem Sangare for yes, the goal yes, by Mevlut. So, yeah. again, he again. continues to impress. Sign him up, Ali Koch. Sign him up, is what I say. As for the penalty, for me, it's a, it's a clear-cut penalty. The reason why is you're looking at the, the ball coming. The uh, Azurum uh, defender, I believe. Now, they see the, the Antalya sport player. 
I believe he goes to kick the ball mm-hmm. and instead he misses it and kicks the Arizona player's leg whilst the Arizona sport player is going to try and control the ball. So I don't think it's it's not an intentional foul, but I think something similar happened yeah. in, in a match. Hassan Ali against Hassan Ali, right? Yeah, Hassan Ali can go right, it, it's soft. Exactly. To me, it was like a carbon copy of that, almost. So you go to play the ball, you miss the ball, and then you inadvertently kick the other player's leg. It's not an intentional foul, but by the, the letter of the law, and as we know, gentlemen, I am a man of the law, <laughs> that, 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 is a, that is a penalty kick. So the ref was correct to go to VAR, and it was correct to, to give the decision because it took the Arizona player down. And he maybe he would have controlled the ball and got through on goal and had a shot, maybe, maybe not. But the, the contact was made, the player went down, and like I say, it's it's Hassan Ali against Gurkhan Gunung all over again for me. So a uh, correct decision. It was a little bit different, though. I think if I remember correctly, I think here the the, the player kind of came outside of the field of vision for the defender. I'm not sure if it, I mean I don't know. It, it, it's a difficult position, um, but ultimately uh, Arizona Sport get another point in their relegation dogfight and. Any obviously they want to get three points, but any point helps them in uh, that uh, that attempt to climb out of that ditch. Now let's move over to Burak's favorite team, Fenerbahce, who faced one of their rivals, Trabzonspor, at Sukhrasaisholo Stadium, and this one ended one-one as well. Um, like I said, recurring team, lots of draws this week. This match was uh, quite uh, quite entertaining, I would say, though. Yusuf Yazidji had put the, ho- the the visitors ahead in the 16th minute. Wouldn't you wish uh, he played for the hosts, uh, Burak? Because I'm a huge Yusuf Yazidji fan. I'll just point that out there. He's one of my absolute favorite players in the league right now. Uh, but it's Elif Elmas who gets the equalizer again. This time in, I believe, the fifth minute of stoppage time. The absolute dying seconds. He makes it 1-1. And it's worth pointing out, at that point, Fenerbahce had been playing with 10 men for over 20 minutes uh, because Sadik Chiftpinar had seen a double yellow. He had initially gotten booked in the 59th minute and then again in the 71st minute. We'll talk about that decision. And then there's also two positions where maybe a direct red card could have been in order. First one was Jalson in the first half. Uh, he seemed to kick or step on, uh, I believe it was Abdulkadir Parmak, pretty uh, nastily. And then in the second half, Jose Sosa almost kicked Valbuena's head off but in something that reminded me a little bit of uh, last week, um, last week's Emre Agbaba position, a little bit different. Maybe it was a little bit more like the like the Luindama position a couple of weeks before, but very dangerous high boot. Obviously... Your boot doesn't have to be super high to hit Valbuena in the head. But still, it was dangerous. Maybe on another player this would have been a regular height of boot. Huh? Get it? <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm being lame. Uh, but no, um, so two, two, two potential... Cheeky, low blow, low blow. Two, but yeah, it might have been a low blow in any other player, huh? But uh, any <laughs> any comments uh, on that? Uh, uh, let's get, get into that. But Burak, you first. What did you think of Fenerbahce's first half performance? What did you think of Fenerbahce's second half performance? Because I think they impressed at times in the end, especially when they were down to 10 men. 
But was it down to Fenerbahce or was it down to Trabzonspor's nervosity? Well, um, uh, just let me start. It was the goal was actually accredited to our goal was accredited to, to Valbuena. Um, oh, okay. not, not indeed. Um, it was a one of those three kicks that you put into the box and everybody watches it as if in slow motion. It doesn't touch anyone and it just bounces into the net. And that is only Valbuena's second league goal this this season. Uh, the first one was, of course, the the penalty he scored against um, Galatasaray um, at the the Telecom Arena. So we we always say he's a he's a great player, but he you know he doesn't score enough goals. But you can say well that's because he doesn't play enough and he doesn't start in the first eleven enough. But that is something else. But we nearly went one 0 down after twenty six seconds in that game. Rodriguez yeah, gets the ball, true. the great piece of attacking play by Trabzon, and they just went through. And it was a it was a good save by Harun Tekin. I don't think it was um, too troubling, but it just seems that teams come to to Kaduke and they play play a pressing high line, and a team like Trabzonspor who are great in attack, both going forward and on the counter attack, because of the the pace they've got. With both Abdul Qadir's with uh, Nwakayeme and yeah, even um, Rodriguez, he's got you know some legs up front, mm-hmm. and they just made us, you know, pushed us back, you know, and they defended with the high line as well, and it was just it was just horrible to horrible to watch. Um, you know, we started Andre Ayew again, who just gave the ball away so much, just like Gileson did. He was awful. He, he just needs to to go home. He just needs to be say, look, you know, a few matches left, Andre. Just you know, go to Lulu Lounge. You know, have a have a shisha and like a fruit platter. Have a sheet, you know, and just look at the the bois. <laughs> just don't play football. Just like do anything. You know, wh- whatever Slimani and Benzia are doing, join them. You know, whether it's you know in the Kapala Church somewhere or if they're walking around back streets of Kadukay in the fish market, just go. Just stay away from this first eleven. We need we need Victor Moses back ASAP. So I hope we've got a magician working on his groin um, or whatever's injured to, to bring him back to bring him back in for us. Abracadabra. Indeed, I mean uh, Sadak. I mean um, Sadak. I mean he he's just got this habit of getting himself into these situations. I did feel the second yellow card was was harsh um, because he had a similar position from Borak Yulmaz, you know, the day after, um, which was, you know, could have been yellow card worthy. And again, you know, the consistencies and refereeing decisions going on there. I think as for the second half, when we went down to 10 men, there's something, something just happened, like the, the boo of, of Kaduke happened. I mean, I mean Trabzon haven't beaten us in Kaduke in 24 matches now. So, I don't think teams are necessarily afraid anymore of coming to Kaduke and playing Fenerbahce. They're not afraid to come and play us as a team there, but there's something about the ground maybe in these these big matches. So obviously it's not a derby because it's not from the same city, so it's not like a Fenerbahce or a Fenerbahce. But it's arguably you know one of the, the next biggest game outside of those two in our in our season. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's something that just happened to you know Trabzon. They thought, oh, hang on here, we're we're one nil up. We know what happened to Galatasaray. You know, Ferra came back to one one. We know what happened with the three three Besiktas match, and even though that was and the one one. So maybe you know something happened there. I can't describe it, but you know, before that we'd had a couple of good shots on goal from Hassan Ali and then Elif who made Urjan work. 
Um, I think we should have had a penalty before the free kick as well. When the shot came in, it came off the Thrubson player's arm. Um, funny enough, that is not included in the, the highlights on BN Sports. So, but you can definitely find that on Twitter. And I think that was definitely... Um, you'll, have to talk, ha- you'll have to talk to your friend about that. Um, I, I will do. <laughs> I will. I will do. Don't you? Don't you worry. My my friend Jeanette Chuckers, um, smiling like a little bitch. Well, hopefully, you know the Valbuena, Valbuena. Oh no, the Valbuena goal. You know, Girsin Bierine, Jeanette, and to to Yusuf as well. Great player. But he was his his celebration after he scored, and um, and what he was, was celebrating when Sada got sent off as well. What was wrong um, with his uh, celebration when he scored? He's just a bitch. <laughs> what was wrong with his celebration? I didn't like it. Okay. And, um, I, <laughs> I didn't enjoy it, but I think it's more for the celebrating sort of getting sent off, which uh, annoyed well, me. I can I can understand that, but I didn't see anything wrong with his goal celebration. I mean, uh, you should have watched that uh, that uh, that goal celebration Fenerbahce had at Vodafone last season. That was provocative. Remember where Mehmet Topa got hit in the head with something from the crowd because Fernandao was uh, being... Uh, a, a p a p u s s y, uh, but uh, <laughs> no, but I don't know. I don't think Yusuf. But hey, can we talk about how great that goal was, though? That that lofted little ball by Abdul Kadir Omur, and then the finish. I yeah. Oh, it was sublime. It was sublime. Uh, it was one of the best goals of the season. I'd say it was absolutely an amazing combination, and and actually we'd see a similar combination later on, not as. Maybe not as great as this one, but uh, we'll see a, a very nice one-two later on. Actually, this might have not been a one-two, actually. Uh, but great goal, no doubt. But do you remember the first time these two teams squared off this season? And the 2-1 to Trabzonspor, but do you remember that match, Burak? I may have tried to block it out from my memory. Well, Trabzon go 2-0 up in that match. And after that, when Fenerbahce score... The panic that Trabzon had, they had absolutely zero composure whatsoever. And I, I, this was, these last 20 or so minutes of this match were were like a carbon copy. Trabzon completely choked. Uh, I mean, they're a man up. They showed really good football in the first half, I think. I don't know what happened to them. Also, Anthony Nwakaeme, the man we've been praising through the moon and back for the last couple of weeks, kind of ghosting in this match. Uh, Uzer, what, what was your impression of Nakayama's performance and what was your impression of those final 20 or 30 minutes of Trabzonspor? Yeah, he was a ghost, you're right. He was a ghost, a catfish. He was disappeared. He was a no. He was, he was really, really disappointing. I mean, he was one of the guys we were all looking forward to seeing at, uh, for Trabzon in the last few weeks, like you say. He just didn't show up. Mm-hmm. He didn't show up. But the same cannot be said for the other two. Uh, who were involved in the goal, Abdul Kadir and Yusuf Yazidou, who who scored a really quite sublime goal. Uh, and as the old saying goes, if Barcelona had scored that, everyone would be talking about it. True. You know, it was that kind of effortless, beautiful finesse that you that you just rarely see uh, in in Turkish. It has to be said. So those two guys deserve a lot of praise. Um, as for Yazidou's uh, behaviour post match and post post uh, post that goal and for the red card and everything. He he said something after the game that he um, he felt he was trying to impress his father, who I guess is a is a is a devout Trabzon sport fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he 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 said the only thing he he could be happy about following the final result is that he made his dad proud for scoring against against Fener. 
So I guess that he had some sort of like personal emotion tied up in the game, which maybe is why that came out in uh, in different ways. And that that's just to to Burak's point. Fenerbahce seemed to have this this knack of being unbeaten at home in these big games. If we don't call them derbies, we call them big games. These headline fixtures. Mm-hmm. They haven't lost against Trabzon since '97. They haven't lost against Galatasaray since '99. I don't know when they last lost against Besiktas, but they have this formidable record. I think. 2005. Okay, so that's that's, a, that's quite a serious record, yeah. and they deserve some credit for that. This is their worst season in history, probably their worst season in history, and yet they still manage to keep these records intact. And you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta give your hat off to them. Another thing I just wanna I just wanna highlight again is Valbuena, who I said this before, and in fact since he joined Ferrer that he's probably the most talented player in the league, and it's a real scandal that Ferrer don't start this guy day in day out. Because he's such a great player. He makes a difference. Okay, like Boraxi, he doesn't score all the time, but he makes a difference in the gameplay. He has a tangible contribution to the team. He's elegant player. He's mm-hmm. got finesse. He's got class. He's got it all. He's got it all. And yeah. um, he made the difference when he came on again. Maybe you can compare him a little bit to Quaresma and the role he's had at Besiktas for the last couple of years, where maybe he's not getting on the score sheet, but he's... He's pop- he creates stuff. Uh, Quaresma, of course, gets a lot of assists, and Valbuena maybe a little bit less, but Quaresma gets more minutes too. And I, mm-hmm. I would agree with you because if you look at this game, most of the danger again came from Valbuena. I think he hit the post at one point. Um, he was the the guy having most intent going forward. Unfortunately, of course, he's he's, he's up there in age. I, I don't know exactly, 33, 34 years old. Obviously, Fenerbahce might not want to keep him around because of the the high contract too. Uh, by the way, Burak, did you end up looking into how many games he has to play until his contract uh, automatically rolls over? Oh, I, I did not know. So that should be my my homework before uh, the Custom Pasha game next week, which yeah, I'm ahead is is going to be super fun because we have no centre backs. Um, Sadaraz is is injured. Sadik is a Jezala and Skirtle got booked, so he's also Jezala. So my prediction is we play, are going to play Topol and someone like Isla as centre-backs. And that will be an absolute horror show. So <laughs> watch watch this space, folks, and you know, watch us, watch Trezeguet, you know, try and tear them apart like a hot knife going through butter. I'm very worried about that. Yeah, maybe you're lucky that Trezeguet plays on the wing more than he plays in the centre, and that uh, you're only playing Kasim Pasha and not... Bajakir or whatever, although that might have, or Rizespor. Oh, imagine playing Rizespor with that two, those two back uh, at the back. No, don't don't say that. Don't scare me <laughs> like that, please. I need to t- check the pictures again. Um, no, I, I like to give credit to Rizespor because they've really impressed me in the second half of the season. They've been one of the teams to watch, and uh, I think credit where credit is due. Uh, obviously, on this podcast, we we speak a lot about Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, and Besiktas, as I think most Turkish football programs would, but. You know, there's a couple of other teams that are very interesting that make this league worth watching. And I think last week, or was it this week even, as our, we said that, is there really a better league in the world? Like, more entertaining league in the world, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, said, absolutely. Right? Um, and, and it's, it's uh, just... I think we said that we, we can e- easily have said that after the Fenerbahce game. We could have said it after mm-hmm. the uh, Besiktas game. We could even said it, to an extent, after the result of this game. Because everyone thought... Sorry, of the Galatasaray match because everyone thought, "Hey, look, it's the foregone conclusion. Jim mm-hmm. Bomb is surely going to win this match." And yet, we threw another surprise. So, in terms of roller coaster, in terms of surprise, in terms of raw excitement, yellow mm-hmm. cards, fouls, passion, fans, flares, and the whole shebang, 
you can't beat the Turkish league. Yeah, and it looked for a long time, it looked like it was going to be one of those boring seasons a la Juventus, Bayern Munich, PSG, where the, the, the champion is known 10 games before the end. But that's changed so much in just a couple of weeks here in Turkey. It's, it's absolutely mind-boggling. Okay, let's uh, move over to Sunday. The next match is Kayserispor against Alanya Spor. Of course, we all know what happened after the match, but let's talk about what happened in the match. This one ended 1-1 as well. Like I said before, recurring team. Um, and the goals here came from Silvestre Varea, the former Porto player, in the ninth minute. And then Stephen Cocker scored the 1-1 in the 23rd minute. The former England international, I believe he's, he played for Newcastle. He played for Queen's Park Rangers, Liverpool, Dundee. Um, only 27 years old. How hey, did he end up in, in Turkey? I, I, it's difficult to, to, to fathom. I mean, Tottenham. Not... He ended up via Tottenham, and um, as I will know about that. <laughs> and uh, well, he gets on the score sheet. I believe it's his first goal in Turkey. There's also a penalty situation in the second half that I thought might have been a penalty actually for Alanya Spor. Um, but Uzra, I'm going to throw to you first. These are two teams that are in the mid-table. Alanya Spor are fighting for fifth place with their neighbors Antalya Spor. Uh, they're both on 42 points now. And we all know if Galatasaray win the cup, fifth place goes to Europe. Um, at least to the qualifiers of Europe. What did you think of Alanya Spor's performance? Do they look like a team that might be uh, ready to go into Europe next season? Do they have the types of players to do that? Um, and what did you think of Kayseri Spor's performance? Uh, well, I, I think to take your first question, uh, simply in, in the isolation of the 90 minutes that we saw at the weekend, I thought that Alanya Spor do have these kind of flashes of, uh, of classy football. They have these moments of brilliance that you kind of hope to see from a Serian Yelchin team. So if they were to make the uh, fifth place in Europe, I, I, you know, I think that they, they'd be able to put on a good show. They, I, don't exp- I wouldn't expect them to, to embarrass Turkey like certain other teams if they finish. Who would you prefer, Ant- Antalya or Alanya? If you look at the, at the football they play, the players they have, who would you prefer? Uh, I mean, it's... it's I, I definitely want one of the two of them, as opposed to Kayseri or Malatya or Konya. I can say that for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As for the, the two of them, the two, the two neighbours, I, I don't know. I think, I think to be honest, uh, there's going to be a certain... Uh, uh, cloud of, of tragedy over Alanya Spor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going forward because of what happened. I think it would be nice for them to have European football to bring some bit of um, bit of prestige and a bit of perhaps a small amount of joy to the, to the city after what's happened, mm-hmm. um, to give them a bit of positive attention after what's happened. Um, and I do think if they can keep hold of Sergen, which I don't know if is a possibility given given the rumours uh, linking him with Besiktas, etc. But if they can keep Sergen and keep some of their core players, I think they, they could put on, uh, put, on, put on a good show in Europe. Otherwise, I'd be very happy to see Antalya too. Bulen Korkmaz, uh, and they've got a lovely stadium. They've got some decent players in the team. As long as it's one of the two, I'll be happy. What do you think of the... I think it was a, a, a potential penalty on Junior Fernandes. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blanking. Um but I think it was on him. Did you think that might have been a penalty or did you maybe miss that position? Um, I think it was a, a bit soft. This is when he, Fernandes was kind of going for goal and was cut cut down um, kind of at an angle. Hmm. Uh, from my notes, I did make a big deal out of it on my notes. It looked like the Kaiser Sport defender kind of cut through, cut 
his run off at an angle um, mm. and made some contact with the ball. I think just moments after touching the ball, he made contact with the founders as well. So, oh, I don't know. I've seen them given. I've seen them given. But uh, it wasn't a click-up penalty, that's, that's for sure. Let's well, throw it to if, if yeah. Burak. Uh, would agree with that. Let's throw it to Burak because he always, uh, you know, he's our penalty man. What do you think, Burak? Penalty or no penalty? Uh, no penalty. I thought it was a, a very good tackle. He he got his foot on the ball. He used his body well. The the Alanya player was obviously looking for it. Um, he felt the player come in, maybe felt some form of contact. But for me, the correct decision, and that was a good strong tackle. And you know, we need to see good strong tackles. And if you are confident enough to tackle like that in the penalty area, um, then you better make sure you back yourself and get the ball, which is what I believe the, the Kaiserspor player did here. So, yeah, for me, um, no penalty, good tackle, on your bike. Off we go, 1-1. <laughs> okay, let's move over to the next match. Bursa Sport Akisar, 0-0. Bursa, this was kind of a must-win match for them, uh, especially given the result on Friday with Gustepe winning theirs. Um, Bursa with a win could have uh, taken a two-point uh, lead again on, on Gustepe, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, it ended nil-nil in, in a frustrating match, I think, for, for both teams to an extent. I do recall a goal disallowed by Elvis Manu in the second half where he got uh, adjudged for a fall prior to scoring. This felt a little harsh, I think. Um... Bursa, lots of will, but not many clear-cut chances. They definitely were the better and the more threatening of the two teams, but at the end of the day, not good enough, not enough quality. And Akisar at this point, also for them, kind of a, a last-chance, must-win type of match. And, and, and the, the mind-boggling thing to me, guys, they were kind of wasting time in the end, and, and the point really doesn't help them whatsoever. Uh, Burak, I'm going to throw to you first. What do you think of this match? What did you expect? Well, I, I expected more fight from Bursa. I know Akisar, maybe this was their last chance saloon to, to to win and maybe, you know, get to that 28-point mark um, or, or however many points they would have got to, 27, 27 actually, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, But, you know, Bursa, they almost have turned into Gostepper. In, in this match with mm-hmm. the performance it was like quite sluggish um, no real sense of sort of urgency um, I don't know the, the, obviously the fans came out in, in support you know they got a lovely crocodile um, stadium um, as, as we've mentioned before you know they should get Lacoste to maybe sponsor them and get, give them some more money yeah instead of legal battles but would Lacoste yeah, but would a, a brand like Lacoste want to go in and sponsor a team like that? I think not, because it will probably hurt their brand um, a lot more if they see that the the you know it was just vasat football, as um, the Turks would say, just just lacking any kind of of spark or or will. And I think you know nil nil Akisar, you know, was not expecting them to pose any real threat, which they didn't. So. For me, it's you know it's, Borussia should have done better, and if you look ahead, they they uh, you know we, the big match next week, next Saturday is Borussia go away to Erzurum, and when we know that team struggle playing in the mountains of Erzurum, um, while they welcome them with the the Turku by Ibrahim Arkal, of course, was as we know, and um, and Gostepe are at home to Antalya so you know you know battle of the seaside resort, so both of those teams are on thirty points and. 
I, w- I, d- I don't know what to expect from this because Gustav yeah. pulled a shock out as we saw this week and 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 Rize you know playing very good attacking football but Uncle Gujar at home and you know maybe they could get a lift but if we go back to the actual game you know uh, Sports should have done a lot better and um, they're fully deserving of where they are at the moment because they didn't take their chances or mm-hmm. create any chances to then take shall I say yeah for sure is there he said something interesting there Brooks said something interesting they're kind of almost looking like Gustepe. And is that a feeling you had when you were watching this match? Did you think, well, they're just inept? Plenty of, of, of will, but not enough uh, quality, perhaps. Yeah, I think that's 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 a fair point. I think the difference, I suppose, is that Borsa have, in the last few weeks, have really been trying everything. And they just haven't been able to have that, that final touch to, to actually convert their possession and their effort into goals. Whereas Gerstepa hadn't even really shown the effort in the last few weeks until the Bashakhtar game. And I think that story continues in this match as well. I mean, they had a couple of really, really good golden chances to take the lead. Even right up until the end, they had a shot that just narrowly missed the post. And then just a few minutes later, the whistle blew and everyone in the stadium, all the players just sunk to the ground because they all knew that this game was critical. Win mm-hmm. the game and you breathe a huge side relief. And they, they both failed in doing so. Finished nil-nil, and now it's very, very difficult for both teams. Okay, let's move over to the next one then, uh, the main event, as we like to say, on Sunday, Besiktas against Ankara Gujuma. Uh, this was definitely an entertaining game. Ended 4-1, but again, in a, in a recurring team that I seem to be saying a lot when it comes to Besiktas matches. Scoreline, exaggerated, does not reflect the match necessarily. Goals here came from Burak Yilmaz in the 8th minute and another goal from him in the 63rd minute from the penalty spot. Then Domagoj Vida got a goal in the 54th minute and uh, Hadi Sako managed to score for Ankara Gujou from the penalty spot in the 79th minute. But Adam Leic quickly cut off all their hope in the 81st minute and made it 4-1. Besiktas with, with a comfortable win. Possibly important goals as well for them because they're in a position where if they end on level points with Bishakshi here, it's going to come down to goal differential because in terms of head-to-head, their level, Bishakshi won 2-1 at home, Bishakshi won 1-0 at their home, away game goals do not count, so it's down to head-to-head, head-to-head is level 2-2, so then it's going to come down to goal differential. Goal differential not too long ago was 6-plus in favor for Bashakshir because of the earlier alluded to uh, sturdy defense. But Bishikic, of course, scoring quite a lot. But now that's short. Now the difference is 0. Both teams are on 27-plus. Bishikic are the highest scoring team in the league right now with 66 goals scored. But they've also conceded, if I'm not mistaken, 38, which is quite a lot. But important to get those goals... And uh, it, it puts them in, in a good position going forward into the last four matches where if they can make up that three points on Bashakshi here, then they'll end above them if they manage to score more than Bashakshi here does. But let's talk about the match first. Ankara Gujou dominating the first half. Besiktas scoring against the run of play. Brilliant strike by Burak Yilmaz though. Has to be pointed out. And he continues to put the team on his back and carry them to the finish line. Maybe a cross, we'll have to wait and see. Then Domagoj Vida with what can only be described as an ultimate shithouse goal. He wins the ball in midfield, runs the whole way, 
uh, the, the ball ends up uh, at, on the right wing with Burak Yilmaz. He crosses it in. Altai, uh, goalkeeper Altai from Ankaragücü kind of fumbles it, falls to, to Domagoj Vida in the box, and he uh, sh strikes it home. Of course, Domagoj Vida's father was a, a, a Croatian league striker and scored quite a lot of goals in his career, so maybe... Maybe that's coming back from, uh, harkens back from that, uh, playing football with his dad. Uh, then Burak Yilmaz again from the penalty spot. Penalty or no penalty, the penalty was committed on Atiba Hutchinson. Uh, the penalty position there. Then a penalty on the other end. It was Atiba Hutchinson this time who made very slight contact with his elbow with the ball. Which uh, got the, the penalty pointed to the spot. Loris Karius saves the initial penalty, but penalty has to be retaken because Domagoj Vida was in the box too early, then later blocked the rebound. Penalty retaken. This time, uh, Sako steps up and takes it because the first time uh, the penalty was taken, Boyd, Tyler Boyd, but he uh, saw his penalty saved. So Sako uh, does convert 3 to 1. Adam Leitch a little bit later. What brilliant little one-two with uh, Shinji Kagawa and what a fantastic lob over Altai to make it 4-1 final scoreline. Um, but Loris Karius, for me, man of the match, had amazing saves in the first half, really kept Besiktas in it both at 0-0 and at 1-0. Uh, he kept them up uh, and, and ultimately he looked unbeatable today and the only way to beat him was by rewarding a penalty that he had already saved. Uh, correct call, I think. Can't really be uh, discussed, but both penalties, uh, should, we'll discuss those. And um, then there's also two more positions where one, uh, Altai could have gotten, gotten sent off for taking out Jermaine Lenz. Uh, the, the linesman bailed out Altai because it was supposedly offside. Replay showed that Lenz at least was clearly onside. I think Burak might have been offside, but he was not involved in the play. VAR didn't overturn it either. Uh, I guess they felt it was too harsh, but for me that was quite clear. Uh, and then uh, a little bit later, uh, Burak gets kicked really hard as well, and that could have been a direct red card, I think. Um, Ozer, I'm going to throw to you first. Your former lover, Burak Yilmaz, continues to set the world afire for Besiktas. How yes. much would you give to have him instead of uh, uh, Mbaye Diagne right now? I know. I'm like a woman scorned. I'm, I'm gutted. I mean, I, <laughs> some somebody on Twitter wrote uh, during the match that had Galatasaray signed Burak instead of Diagne, we'd have at least nine more points, a lot more hair follicles, and 10 million euros extra in the bank. <laughs> and I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Burak Yilmaz has been a revelation for, for Besiktas, and bravo mm -hmm. to the club for actually showing him the, the the trust and giving him the responsibility to, to kind of prove himself again. Because let's not forget that when he signed, a lot of the fans were very much against his, um, yep. his transfer. They were all swearing at him, even decision. in the first couple of games. And, you know, he he, he, kept, he carried on through that. He rode the, rode the wave. And now I don't think you'll find a single fan saying that. If anything, you'll find guys like me on the other side wishing that we had him up front. Yep. Uh, his his goal was absolutely brilliant. He, uh, he I mean, he really looks like he's in the form of his life right now. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask and, you. And full that. credit to him. And, yeah, I mean, okay, I, I think you can, you can compare him to, to his 2013... Um, to form a Galatas, right? Of course, he, back then he was also the MVP of the group stage uh, in mm -hmm. the Champions League, having scored 88. He was the top scorer then, joined mm -hmm. with the uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. That we all yeah, know. but against... So, against well, and, yeah, nonetheless, know. it was Champions League. You know, nonetheless, true, it was Champions true. League. Cluj, though. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> so, well, well, yeah, Champions League. Well, you can only score against who's in front of you. So. Yeah, exactly. That's Plus, true, like, that's true. Cluj... The Cluj match was the perfect hat trick: left foot, right foot, and and uh, 
and Heather. But but anyway, I digress. Back to the to the glory days. Uh, to to Besiktas, I think the team is playing by far and away the best football in the league. If mm. the league were to go on for another ten games, I think Besiktas would easily win the league. And I think you guys have a very very good opportunity to get Champions League spot at least. Hmm. Okay, uh, I do want to pose this question because you did point that out. Burak Yilmaz, he's he's older, but not really slowing down yet. Maybe not as fast as he was in his prime, 27, 28. But when you watch him play, do you, do you still see the same player he was at Galatasaray? Or do you think he's changed in the terms of maybe more mature, more of a leader on the pitch? I never saw him as a leader when he was playing at Galatasaray because of obviously you had Schneider, you had Selchuk, you had Drogba for a while... Um, Muslera, of course. I think that, that team had plenty of leader figures. Maybe Burak was just not, you know, was well, maybe he was. I see. Uh, I see. Yeah. I see what you mean. I see what you mean in terms of uh, being drowned in the superstars of the club. I think that was a, it's a possibility. But again, like we said, he proved himself even amongst those names that he mm-hmm. was at least in statistics the most valuable player. I mean, had it not been yeah. for Burak's goals, we we wouldn't have qualified from the group. Uh, with, with uh, in 2013, so he definitely proved himself. But in terms of his gameplay, if that's changed, I'd say that his Galatasaray days, he used to play really on the line of offside and mm-hmm. just try and use his pace to outrun the last defender. And he, you still see moments of that here. He still got offside once or twice yeah. in this match. But he's definitely coming back to midfield more to try and to try and get involved in the gameplay more. He's taking on shots like we saw in this game from outside the box. He's being a slightly more experimental, slightly more deep lying, if you like rather than kind of waiting in the uh, rating front of the goal for the headers and the tap-ins and that kind of thing, which which he was also very good at and clinical at when he was slightly younger. So I think in terms of his, his coming back to contribute to the gameplay, he's made that improvement in in his uh, in his style of play. And Umut, I want to involve you in the conversation here too, because obviously you watched a lot of Burak Yilmaz at Galatasaray as well. Um, obviously, physically, he's not in his prime anymore. We can say that. I, I, I think that given his... I, I expected him to decline more rapidly, given the amount of injuries he's had the last couple of years, given his play style, because he does rely heavily on his pace, on that reaction. Uh, he's, he was always that type of player, but he's almost 34 now, and I'm, 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 I'm honestly, I'm baffled by how good he still is, and he has seemed to adjust his gameplay a little bit, like Uzer already said, um, but what do you think of, of him as, as, as a player in, in, in general? Not physically, but as a player. Do you think he's maybe better than ever? Because let's not forget, last season for Trabzonspor, 25 matches, 23 goals. Now, this season, he's got 16 goals in um, 7 plus 12, uh, 18 or 19 games, I think. Uh, 17 matches or something. I don't know. He's got a ridiculous amount of goals. He's got, uh, combined with last season, this season, 39 goals in 40 games or something like that. Or 42 or whatever. Is he better than he was when he was at Trabzonspor when he scored 33 goals in 34 matches? Or what do you think? I, I, I'm really... This is a question I'm asking myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, mentality-wise, he has grown up because, like, he left the greed at his past and now he plays for the team. And also, he thinks he owes something to Besiktas fans uh, because what he left before was not good at all. So, I think he owes that much and he, he tries to make it work for him. And as you can see from his determination uh, on the pitch, 
he wants more for his team uh, and this time not for himself but the team itself mm -hmm. so i i think it, it kind of helps how he plays on the pitch and he's definitely better mentally than he yeah. was ever before i think that's the key right now he looks to be uh mentally just so so strong and so confident he just radiates confidence i think that the first goal he scores and also last week that free kick he scores that's just the type of goal of, of a player that's extremely confident even though last week i really didn't think he was playing a particularly good match but that confidence to 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 do that to have to step up and take that responsibility uh completely agree but so burak uh, i want to ask you a question with the first half performance we saw of Besiktas, Ankara Gaju were all over them. Yes, they went in 1-0 at halftime, but it could have easily been 1-1, 1-2, whatever. Uh, Ankara Gaju were really good. I think Lois Karius stepped up, really stepped up, made a couple of really good saves. But do you think Friday's result against uh, between Besiktas and Gustepe, Besiktas is slipping up, do you think that might have had an impact on Besiktas? Did they kind of suffer from nerves uh, against uh, Ankara Gaju in the first half, you think? Um, it's really, really hard to say because you've got, you know, both teams. So you've got Gustepe winning, which puts pressure on Ankaragücü, and you've got Başakşehir losing, which you can say puts pressure on on Besiktas ahead of the derby next week, the Galatasaray Besiktas um, match at the the Turk Telecom Arena. So I think Besiktas, because I was I was watching this match, I was dipping in and out between the kitchen, um, doing a few bits and pieces. I think that the owners should have been really on Ankaragücü in the first half to try and make something happen. I think they thought, okay, we're at Vodafone, we've really got to come out and try and produce something, maybe, you know, scrape a point, maybe even, you know, pull off a win. Because if, if Gersteber can go and win at Basaksehir, why can't we go and win at Besiktas? Mm -hmm. But what they, I think what they failed to factor in was Besiktas are probably one of the more formed teams at the moment in the, the Super League alongside, say, uh, Trabzon and potentially um, uh, Ariza, who are playing very good very good attacking football. And you've got the, the, the Supercos, which is um, Burak Yulmaz, um, who's just scoring goals for fun, looks like he's really enjoying his football again. Um, after a while of being out of sorts at different clubs, it looks like he's you know, being em embraced by, by the fans now and, and his players. Um, I think Ormut mentioned, you know, he's he's brought this more grown-up, more mature mentality. I think he's always been a, a physically gifted athlete, and I think he could have turned his hand to any sport, um, be, it, be it track and field, basketball, volleyball, because um, he's just got that, that build, you know, he's quite, quite tall, but also quite wide, but lean and strong at the same time. So I think he um, applies it really well to his football. And I think the first half was a bit of a cagey affair, almost like the first couple of rounds of a boxing match with Besiktas, you know, having that 1-0 lead and maybe having, you know, been dealt a few more blows by Ankara But, you know, they got in at halftime, they had the talk and then they, they came out. And like you say, you know, I brought up with the assist for the Vida goal, um, like you say, just just luck lucky but you know you've got to put yourself in that position to take advantage of that luck which is what Vida did and then you know no qualms about the penalty for Burak second great goal by Leic. Um just left it to the last minute and then just so um, cheeky as if like it's like he, he looked to the side took out a cigarette lit it said Narpiosan 
and just chipped it in over the goalkeeper. It was just a, just a delightful goal by him to watch, and I've, I've really enjoyed watching him play. Yeah. Um, but I think I think nerves by both teams, but Besiktas um, showed that they handled it a lot stronger, and you know they had the more talented players as well. And when you have got someone like Burak Yulmaz who's in a great run of form, you know you always got to have a chance to to do some damage, and that's what they did. So I will be looking forward to the derby next week, gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> With popcorn, I uh, bet. It, Yep, it will be uh, my turn to be. I'll have I'll have the popcorn. I'll have the the cherries. I might even go out and I might even go to Simit Saray and get a Simit <laughs> to join this match. <laughs> so, well, hey, you know what? Go work a few days earlier and send me one in the in the mail, huh? What about how about that? By the way, I have to thank you for uh, all the help you gave me on that uh, postage thing. By the way, uh, uh, bracket worked out. Um, that's uh, just between me and him. Uh, so glad do you go on? Glad, do you go on, Jen? Glad, glad to hear. We'll we'll tell you offline, Ozzy. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. Um, what did you guys think of that handball by Atibado? I really, I really didn't feel that was intentional, and he grazed it. And on, in in the super slow mo, it looks like he does bam with his elbow. But I think that's so misleading to watch something like that in super slow mo. To me, it just lo- looked like he was running in a natural way, and and. His arm is the, the the fabric on his on his, on his elbow m- mildly grazed the ball. It seems so harsh, and then uh, it was especially harsh on Loris Carius. You know, he makes the save, then the penalty gets retaken. He had his best match as a Bishtas goalkeeper. I think this was it was a fabulous match. He he really had that that uh, I won't be beaten today over my dead body performance and then he has to concede on a penalty I, I felt so sorry for Loris Karius really but what did you guys think yeah, about that penalty it, decision it, it, it was definitely Karius's best game for Besiktas he looked yeah like you say un, quite unstoppable uh, as for Atiba's penalty well I thought it was karma for his dive that led to Besiktas penalty earlier on in the game <laughs> you thought that was a dive well I don't I don't think there was any contact from the okay. uncredited player I watched it from at least four different angles. I just couldn't see the contact. He looked like he was really angled his body to to, pre- to present himself to fall, anticipating a tackle that never came. Mm-hmm. Okay, not really in this character. That seems very out of character for Atiba. Well, what do you think, Burak? Uh, did you think that was a dive? I don't think it was a dive. I just thought it was a, just a soft penalty. Like, again, like the one we saw given to Bashak Jehri last week, it wasn't um, a, a great deal of pulling. Um, but, I just you can't know, see you, any contact at all. Do you, do you guys think it was compensation for the wrong decision a minute or two earlier where Altai probably should have gotten sent off for uh, taking out Lens? I don't you know, think so, no. I just think it was, um, you know, it was the letter of the law says it's a penalty. It's just a very soft. I'd expect Atipa to be stronger in that situation. But you're in the penalty area, so you're going to be looking to make the most of it to you know, make the referee think you've been fouled in a lot more harder or, you know, tougher way than you have. But, you know, you you do something like that in the penalty area, you're leaving yourself open to the potential of giving away a penalty. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to go on and, and talk about uh, the two potential red cards and stuff like that, but I think we're going to waste too much time on, on this match, Dan, and I think we've said most that has to be said. There's two more matches we have to address, and uh, I don't want to take up too much time just talking about Besiktas. If people want to hear a whole hour of, 
of BS about Besiktas, go check out the Black Eagles podcast, of course, which I do with Sinan Schwarting and uh, Evron Akman. Uh, we recorded it yesterday, so go download that if you want to hear more about the Besiktas match. But let's move over to Monday. We had two more matches remaining. Malatya Sport against Kasim Pasha. This one ended 2-1. Goals here came from Adam Buk in the 42nd minute. Robin Yelchin in the 69th minute. And then Bengali Koita got one back for Kasim Pasha in the 85th minute. Uh, but Adam Buk scoring against his former team. He didn't seem to celebrate. Uh, that goal and Robin Yelchin clinching uh, a very important goal that got them the win ultimately. But Koita uh, puts uh, you know the, puts them on their toes for a couple of more minutes, and he could have really put them ahead early on. Uh, well, not that early on, but in the 29th minute, he hit two bars with one shot. So that was quite the achievement, but didn't manage to score. And in the uh, 55th minute, there was also. A hard cross from Dioman, uh, not Diomansi, I'm sorry, I'm confusing, <laughs> but Abubakar Kamara, uh, sh- you know, throwback a little bit there for Diamansi Kamara, for you who remember him from Eskishir Swore, of course. But Abubakar Kamara with a hard low cross and uh, Donald, not Donald Trump, just Donald, he missed probably what was the easiest goal he'd ever score in his career. Um, no goalkeeper, no defender on the line. All he has to do is just touch that ball a little bit and p- tap it in. It was from like, I don't know, a meter out. And he somehow manages manages to put that wide. That was uh, quite comical, honestly. Um, but let's quickly gloss over this match. Really not too much importance uh, in, in terms of uh, the table, really. Kasim Pasha is, is kind of safe. Malatya... Still a little bit in contention for fifth place, but uh, they've been on a pretty poor run of form in the second half of the season, despite a very good run of form in the first half of the season. Those are going to throw to you quickly uh, your thoughts on this match. Anything in particular that jumps out to you? Uh, nothing major to highlight, uh, apart from didn't Malik Espoch sack their coach the other day, Errol Bullock, after the... I think he resigned. Oh, he, he resigned. Okay. Well, in any case, although that was a... Re- really strange decision because he'd taken them to the semi-finals of the Turkish Cup and within a few points of a European spot. So I, I kind of expected Malatya to, to lose that game just because I just thought that was just a complete own goal from the club's perspective and they deserve to lose points just for that alone. <laughs> what do you think, Burak? Do you agree with that? I think it's a really weird decision. I'm not sure if something's happened at the club with Errol, you know, if he's had a disagreement with like the, the chairman or the board or something. Or if he just felt like he's not being backed enough and he's suddenly turned around to say, Well, do you know what? Look what I've done for you and this is what you this is what you do to me. It's almost like this like that scene out of training day with with Denzel Washington in like in the hood and he's like, You're gonna do this to me? You know, after all I've done for you, I run this place. And, and he, he and he's like he's like, Sorry, I'm leaving and then but then they go ahead and they beat Kasim Pasha. But, you know, Kasim Pasha have been on a a downward um, spiral of form at the moment. You know they've, um, I think they've only won two of their last five. But you know, uh, Malacha as well. They'd only won one of their last five. So you could you could say that they maybe the reserve coach whoever took over galvanised the squad. And it's still odd to see Malacha and Kasim Pasha still in the, the the top ten with with their really bad run of form. It just goes to show what a strong first half of the season they had. But I was I was kind of expecting Malaga to maybe maybe sneak a win, um, and you know two 0 with Kasim Pasha only scoring in the last six minutes. So 
again, it's, it's not going to affect a lot of things that are on the table, but we do play Kassam Pasha next week. So, uh, and we played them in Kassam Pasha. So hopefully we can we can smash them, get three points, and keep climbing up the table. Let's uh, shift over to the last match of match day, 30, Konya Sport against Galatasaray. As we've seen quite a few times already on this match day, lots of draws, and that happened here too. This one ended nil-nil, and I'm just going to throw it over to Uzer. Uh, must have been a frustrating 90 minutes for you, for sure. Uh, what do you take away from this game? Uh, I really thought you weren't going to ask me. I thought this game had never happened, and I could just wake up and play it all again. I mean... I really expected Jim Bomb to be up for this match. Win the game, get the three points, and you're top of the league. And it's pretty much game over in terms of the psychological warfare. You just have to keep rolling on for the next four games. And this is such a huge missed opportunity for us. I think it's genuinely scandalous, shameful, embarrassing that Galatasaray could not manage a single shot on target in 90 minutes. 90 plus minutes, over 100 minutes if you add in all the time that was played. I mean, I don't know what's going on there, but up front, we have some serious, serious issues. I mean, we're going to get to Jagne quickly. I just want to accelerate the, the, the discussion to get to this guy because I know a lot of focus is going to be on him over the next week. But let, let's just take a moment to, to, to appreciate the importance of context in life. But rewind to January. Girls of Strike is in dire need of a striker. Now, we've got cash in the kitty from the sale of Gomez, from the loan of Mycon, etc., etc. Uh, we need someone who's going to just walk in there and start banging in the goals to put us back in the title race. Now, in front of us, we have someone who's six foot four. He's got Juventus pedigree. He was signed by Juventus in 2013, after all. He had scored something like 21 goals by January in just 17 games, when, when you consider that the next player, number two and three, had only scored nine. 21 goals by January. You think, hell yeah. 20, by the way. Of course we're going to sign this guy. 20, okay, 20 and 17. And the next player had scored nine. You think, come on, you've got to lap this guy up. But uh, as the old saying goes, as Terry once said in the Champions League press conference, statistics are like miniskirts. They don't show the whole picture. And the reality was this. He never played a game for Juventus. In that whole time that he was signed by the club, he was zoned out to useless clubs. He's probably, his pinnacle was making three... Uh, loan appearances for Al-Shabaab of Saudi Arabia. The, most of those 20 goals had been tap-ins or penalties. He had zero uh, technical finesse, no skill, no first touch whatsoever. Really, really awful first touch. Poor finishing ability. I mean, really, the best thing about him was his haircut. And I know I'm going to irk Barak with that statement, but you, you, can really, you really know that a player sucks when after 12 months of playing in the league, Still, no one knows how to pronounce his name. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 so weird though. Twenty eight goals at this stage. I know. I know. And and it's and, just. And we're he's so frustrating him. to watch. I, even the eight goals that he scored, though, I think. Yeah. There hasn't been a single one from outside the box. They've all been tap-ins or served on a plate to him or, uh, or or penalties. I, I think six penalties, one six penalties? deflection. Okay. Right, and, that's right. And one tap-in. And one tap-in. Tap yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, six penalties is quite an achievement, I suppose, in its own right. But, uh, but yeah, you know, you we'll leave that to for a different, for, for a different analysis. Yeah, because you, you've got to score them. But I just think I'm, I'm amazed on a personal level that uh, I'm really gutted about Galatasaray result. And, and for once, I don't even mention Belhanda's name. Yeah, Belhanda Bel mm -hmm. was maybe uh, the, the man that uh, almost gifted you the win because he had that amazing... Uh, 
pinpoint accurate uh, true ball on Diagne. Diagne using his body pretty well to get in front of the defender. Um, but then I think a little bit off balance by putting himself in front of the defender and then just bottles it, puts it wide. That was probably the best chance of the entire match. Yeah. Uh, Umut, how did you see that position? Did you think he was maybe fouled by the Konyaspor defender or did he just... Yeah. No, no, no. He's just searching for a penalty, so for an easy goal. Uh, oh, <laughs> he wants because easy goals his target. I think if you want to be a champion, you have to score those goals because, mm -hmm. like, Galatasaray has only one important chance during the whole game created by Belhanda, as you said. So top quality pass, but Jagne somehow managed to ruin it once again. I mean. A title candidate team striker should, must score that kind of goal uh, chance. If not, you'll end your title dreams. Other than that, it looks like Emrak Baba doesn't have the shape or energy to even stand on his feet. Mm. Yet Fatih Terim keeps subbing him as the last resort. I don't know why. But uh, as we know, of, uh, Sinan Gümüş is expelled because of his stupid attitudes and lack of discipline during the games. I think Fatih Terim gave up on him. Now making us lack of options coming from the bench. And also uh, after Jagne, we have some uh, failure of transfer of Mitrol also on the field making nothing. Uh, also, I think uh, some players are not passing him and seeing him as an option on the field, avoiding, avoiding passing him. I don't know why, but he somehow kind of manages to ruin every moment also. Also, Fatih somehow insists on playing with two tall strikers when Galatasaray is in a dire need of goal and he's also so tend to subbing Belhanda off in these kind of situations for avoiding him to be sent yellow. Off, yeah, yeah, sent off as we're in a crucial stages of the league. Uh, it's obvious he doesn't want to lose such player but also we know the attitude of Belhanda and uh, the capabilities of him being red-carded too often. So I think he, he has every right to take him off, but in these kind of stages, in my opinion, you should take some risks to lose, uh, to win these kind of games. Uh, and now Galatasaray doesn't have the luxury to lose any more points if they want to be the champions. So uh, hard stages are in, uh, in the future. Yeah, it's clear what Galtzrai will have to do heading into those final four matches. It's still fully in their own hands. They still play Bashakshir. If they win all four, they're champions. There's no question about it. But do they have what it takes to be that? I think next week we'll find out a lot about how good Galtzrai is. Are they capable of winning it? Because we can say now, and I know I've said it a couple times already, I think oh, this might be the breaking point for them, but they're still in it and it's still all in their hands despite this being the second slip-up in three games, but with Bashakshi here losing twice and Galtzrai only drawing and not losing, they're still completely in it. It's going to be difficult, though, to see heading into next week. It's, it's, I think that match, that, that Galtzrai-Bishiktas derby, we're going to know so much more coming out of that. I think if there's a winner, whoever wins that match... I think has an amazing chance of becoming champions. Obviously, if it's Galatasaray, their chances are bigger than if Bishtesh win it because Bishtesh still need to hope that Bishakshir dropped three points along the way in those last four matches. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. A draw, obviously, that's, that's not really going to help either of them. Uh, but even a draw 
I don't know, the Bashakshir we're seeing right now, it, they were so pristine for so long, but now you can see them drop points at any moment, but who knows, they might turn things around and they might start winning everything now. But we've spoken about now how dreadful Galtzrai might have been in this match, or Galtzrai pundits here already addressed that. But Burak, I want to talk to you for a little bit about your former coach and somebody I know you... Uh, Appreciate, admire Aykut Kojaman and his team Konya Spor. I think I hinted them to becoming fifth a couple of months ago. I completely jinxed them. Apparently, they have really been disappointing. Uh, and also in this match, I, I don't think they had a couple of opportunities to hit Galtz around the counter. Really fumbled those. Uh, in 90 minutes, I think they had one shot, and it was from like 27, 28 meters out. Uh, just lucky try so uninspired and they've been kind of like that for weeks they're they're dreadful to watch i feel uh, i really don't enjoy watching their games and um i don't know i expected more from konya spore with i kojaman being back at the club back at the helm back at with the most of these players he still got in his former stint and most of these players he helped mold and create demi milosevic hadjametovic those types of players and I don't know, such a dull team really at this stage. Maybe next season we'll see a little bit better Konyaspor. But what do you think of Aiko Kojaman's performance at Konyaspor this season? And what do you think of the team's overall performance? Well, Aiko Kojaman, he can be quite a polarizing figure amongst uh, opposition fans and, and Fenerbahce fans. I, for one, I have always, always liked him. Obviously, he's you know done... He's made some mistakes, obviously, when he was trying to rile up the teams a little bit too much in the previous seasons when it was obvious that we weren't very good. So we looked at other other tactics. But his his display of like his stoic stance in, in the wake of the um, two th- after the 2011 um, season um, has endeared him to me for life even more so than after the, the goal against Trabzon in 96, which I still remember fondly. But... Looking looking at the form, like I remember when we were talking about Konya, you know, going for fifth, potentially even managed being able to get fourth, and they've completely fallen off the the edge of a cliff um, into. But they're still in ninth place, shockingly, which shows you how much of a strong first uh, half of the season they had. Yeah, but and they're all, also kind of in the same boat with with Malatya Sport, Sivasport, those same teams that were in that similar good position after the first half of the season, and they've all kind of had a a very very uninspired, mediocre second half of the season. Very much so. Konya not wanting not wanting six games, but um, when when the fixture was out and you know you had the loss of Bashak Sheher losing, Besiktas winning, and it came down to Galatasaray, one of the final games of the this this match week on a Monday. I think well they're 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 playing away in Konya and I could Kojiman is the manager and just I had this feeling like thinking I think I'll say gonna drop points. But like you say, it's not because of an amazing performance by Konya. It was just a bit bit scrappy and dog eared. Um like you say, Fofana didn't show us what he's capable of doing like he did like he did against Fenerbahce. Thanks for that, Fofana. Um too screamer of a goal. Exactly. He just didn't want to come out to party or to play. Um, you know, you had a few flashes of brilliance here and there, and he looked a little bit alive. But it's it's more to do with um, Galatasaray not taking advantage of the opportunity that they were presented by the Tabashakshi Herlos. Um, but looking at the the 
you know, I think is this I called second stint at Conny or his yeah. third. I think it's second. Second, so you can see he's 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 loved by the club. You know he's well respected Definitely. because of what he's done there before. But like I say, he's just failed to inspire this this second half of the season, and I don't quite know what to put it down to. Whether it's uh, you know a, a lack of people in the squad to to be able to bring in. I'm not sure what his rotation policy is like. So I don't follow them avidly enough. But you know, like you said, you know he's got some players from his first team that are are I call Kojiman players. But he was mm-hmm. he always seems quite organised. But that can often come across as boring as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know he's got had success at Fenerbahce. You know he's he's won a, um, some trophies with us. Um, obviously, not as many as we would have liked. But looking at his performance at Konya, they're, they're never going to set the world on fire. Um, but it's quite—I I can't quite put my finger on why they have dropped off so much in the second half of the season, um, despite a great first-half performance. I'm not sure if there's any unrest at the club, if there's anything going on behind the scenes, or if it's just that some teams that he come up against, um, his tactics don't work, and the other team have either figured out the way Konya play and use that to their advantage, and then I could can't go to a plan B or a plan C. Or if he wants to, he doesn't have the players to be able to pull that off. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more of the latter, actually. I don't know what Uzer and, and Umut think, but I've always felt like he, including in his first stint when he finished third, which was an amazing performance, I always felt like they had a, an, a good squad, but they lacked that spark. That 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 that's that one or that one special player that could lift them to the next level. Like they have many decent players. Omer uh, Shiner, I think that's a player that any of the big three would want in their squad. Not necessarily as a starter, but he could be a, a valuable squad depth player. Uh, Nate Skubic, for the previous couple of seasons, he was terrific. I think he's kind of dropped off this season. Of course, he's already 30 years old or something. Maybe he's slowly declining. Um, but then Denny Milosevic, a talented young player. Hadzi Ametovic is a talented player. Jaovic was setting the world on fire not too long ago at Gustepe, but never really managed yeah. to tra- translate that over to, to his performance at Konyaspor. They had, of course, Samueletto briefly, uh, but that also wasn't the Ito we saw at Antalya Spor. Uh, the first two seasons, and I, I, I don't know, I can't help but feel that they're a team that with one or two good players could even contend for the title, and I know that's, I know that's a stretch, and I'm not saying they'd win it, but I think they could be in the, 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 the battle at least, uh, not necessarily until the last four four weeks, but I think they could be making things interesting. I, I just I really think that with Aikud as coach, with the players they currently have, and one or two, like for example, like a, a really good sc- goal scoring striker, and then like a really creative midfielder like Alaij and Burak, I think that could really put them on a, on, on title contention because I, I don't necessarily think that they have a bad squad, but I also don't think that they have a particularly good squad. Umut, what do you think? Well, uh, I don't know. I know, it's a bit of a stretch, title contention, but at least European football. Well, if we uh, make uh, four out of four, uh, we can win the league. But the same applies to Besiktas and same applies to Başakşehir as well. So uh, it's kind of a very hard battle, a hard race. Uh, 
But I think right now Besiktas is the superior one, uh, as you see how they managed to win their games with multiple goals uh, and how they want the game uh, more than we do, because uh, also the mindset uh, applies to the games. And now they have Burak Yilmaz, who is the leader of the team, like some kind of how Ronaldo uh, in the time uh, managed to win the games, a winner kind of mentality we are talking about. So uh, God's right lacks that kind of mentality in their team. So uh, I see Besiktas uh, in a better position uh, to be the contenders. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Apparently, Umut skipped over one. Uh, but <laughs> okay, uh, let's finish the Konya Sport talk then. Uh, let's let's indeed delve into that conversation so we can uh, round things off in in in, uh, in this episode. Um, but. Uh, uh, Uzra, what do you think? Who is looking hottest heading into these final four weeks? Who do you think? I, I think you're still going to favor Galtzray, maybe? Do you think... This, this well, uh, I, I don't uh, know. It's tough. It's tough. It's, 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 so tough. it's harder to call than ever. I mean, throughout the last... Uh, well, since we've been doing this podcast, I've always said, Bashak Shahir, and the best chance. They got the upper hand. They're playing the best football. They're the most calm. They're the most organized. Mm -hmm. That's all fallen apart in the last three weeks. But... Galatasaray right, were not able to capitalize on that tonight. So, I don't want to change my uh, school of thought. I want to stick with it, and I want to be use my Tottenham ability uh, to try and see if Bashakshir's decline is going to continue. And everything will be decided next weekend. Galatasaray, Bishikdash, that will decide everything for me. Yeah, probably. Uh, Burak, last week I said three-horse race, but it takes two horses to stumble for the third t horse to be able to catch the title. Uh, to catch the to win the race, um, I, I I honestly I never thought it would that I if you would have told me last week we'd be in a position we are in right now I wouldn't have believed you, uh, but headed into next week, Besiktas can maybe secure second place if they beat Galatasaray. Uh, not necessarily though because they still have a very tough away game at Trabzon so. I don't think next week necessarily decides anything, but it does make. It'll make clear who's the biggest title contender, Galtry or Besiktas. That's for sure. Uh, well, actually, not if they draw, but yeah, you know what I mean. But what do you think, Burak? Are these two horses that were a stretch away in front of that third horse, are they falling? Are they stumbling? I think they are uh, stumbling, but there's still a lot of race to be run. So they, they may have jumped the fence and maybe stumbled a little bit, but there's still a lot of chance for those two horses to regain their footing and pull ahead while this third horse, a.k.a. Besiktas Shibnastikulubu, is running up on the other two from the inside. So for me, it's it's like, well, you know, my team is shit, right? So I'm enjoying a close title race. And I'm just thinking to myself, um, go on, let's, let's have some good games. Let's have some fire. Let's have some passion. I'm really looking forward to Besiktas. I mean, sorry, Besiktas um, next weekend. Um, I'm, I, I think I have a feeling Besiktas are going to win uh, that match. Ah, uh, you just jinxed us. Uh, no, no, no. I have a feeling Besiktas are going to win, but I still think the, like I've said, I think the Galatasaray Basakshir match will decide who the title goes to. But I think it will decide whether it goes to Basakshir or whether it goes to Besiktas. Is what I'm saying. That's a hot take. Yeah, because I've always, I've always said Galatasaray have had a chance. Um, I've said that for a while now, um, even when they were maybe five or six points off Bashakshahir. 
But I think with us, yep, yep, in, indeed. So if you go back and listen, I, I've always said, that, you know, it's, it's still possible. But with this little little stumble that Galatasaray have shown, and I think it's the fact that they don't have any strikers in, in red-hot form that yeah, they can sure. rely on to to pull them out of these situations. Um, I think the the Borat Yulmaz factor is, is huge. Um, and even with, with um, Basakshia here, you know, they may have like a, a Rabinho and sort of an, an Adabayor, but, you know, looking right now, you know, you're looking at someone to, to carry the weight of the shoulders on his back across his perfect, like, ripped, lean deltoids. That's Borak Yulmaz. And I think yeah, you, yeah. you need to keep that guy fit and out of trouble and he could he could lead you to the, the promised land or the third let's not, title. Let's not forget, if he gets booked, he'll miss the next match. So if he... Miss if he gets a yellow card against Galatasaray, he'll miss the next match, which will be at home against. I know the next one is Trabs on away, and I think the la- ah, I think it might be Alanya Spor. Actually. It is. It's Alanya Spor at home. Yeah, after yeah. the Galatasaray yeah. game. Yeah. So yeah. you could probably he could probably afford to pick up a, a, a cheeky yellow uh, in that one. Um, leave I don't know. The- I I think he should probably just try not to pick up any more yellows and just play all four games at this point. I think Bishtas are going to need him if they want to at least get second, uh, but next week is going to be so, so important, and yes, Galatasaray are not too impressive right now, things don't seem to click for them, but they're still in that position where they are, because they do win plenty of matches, uh, it's a home game for Galatasaray, you know what, if this was a home game for Besiktas, I'd be looking at things differently, but I just, I can't see it happen. I remember last season, I think Galatasaray were a lot better last season. We were arguably worse off last season because we just came off of that cup match with Fenerbahce. We all know what went down there. And still, though, that match, we I think Besiktas had, 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 the, had the most chances. Uh, there was yeah, Negredo the, and Baba. Yeah. There was an early one-on-one for Negredo, and then, of course, later on, there was the Babel chance and such. Bishita should have never lost that match. Maybe not necessarily won it, but definitely not should have lost it, even given all the things that were going wrong. I don't think this Galatasaray is as strong as that Galatasaray, and I think this Bishitesh is better than that Bishitesh, but still, I can't... I can't... I I don't know. It's, it's Galatasaray away. It's, for me, that's... We've won a couple times there historically, which have been huge victories. Uh, in 2002, I remember us winning there 1 0 to the Ibrahim Azulma's goal that ended up deciding the championship later down the road. Uh, and then obviously, uh, the, the, the previous, the two title wins for Besiktas uh, in recent history, we, we won in both those seasons. But let's not forget, Galtzrai are unbeaten for almost two full seasons in. Uh, in the, in the league, and we talk about Fenerbahce and how they have been so unbeatable at home in the league against in, in those big matches, but Galatasaray have that too, even if they're not in their best form, I think they're still going to be incredibly difficult to beat, Besiktas are going to have to play an amazing game, Burak is going to have to stand up once again, he's going to have to, yeah, he's going to have to continue go on on what he went on last, and, and will he be able to do it, or will nerves get to him or maybe we'll see Diagne finally put his mark on a big match for Galtzray if he scores and wins them that match 
I think everything can be forgotten of the of this miss against Konyaspor today and 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 his 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 underwhelming performances in recent months for Galatasaray. I think everything will be forgotten if he wins them that match and especially if he wins them the Başakşehir match and ultimately the title. So next week is going to be so important shaping the rest of the title race, but I think we've we've discussed plenty for now. Um, guys, I want to thank you all, Umut, Uzar, yeah. Brak. I want to thank all of you for for joining me again for this episode, episode eleven of Football Ala Turca. And uh, once again, our heartfelt condolences go out to um, the Sural. family and, uh, and and loved ones of Joseph Sural and of course Alanya Spor. Um, and and thank you all for listening. Uh, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you next week, everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye.